Welcome to Bible study today. Good to see you all here this morning. We are doing a series uh, called The Principles for a Healthy Marriage. In my original uh, plan, there were two more lessons, but uh, there will be just this one. Both of the final lessons kind of were on the same theme, so doing them together makes more sense to me. So, uh, we have been studying this uh, topic, principles for a healthy marriage, uh, for uh, a very important reason, and that is that marriage is so important. If you are already married, or you will one day be married, your marriage is going to be the most influential human relationship you'll ever have. It has the power to bring great joy uh, or suffering depending on whether or not you do it right, so, or, or depending on whether or not you marry the right one. So maybe that should be the next series, uh, finding the right one. Maybe not. And I already did that. I, already, I did that as a sermon series. So, But the point is you need to have a healthy marriage. And so we've looked at a number of principles. We've talked about finances. We've talked about intimacy, all kinds of things. Important to remember that these are principles. Any of these subjects, I'm not discussing the entirety of that subject, but I'm giving a principle, something we need to live by. And so uh, this morning, we are going to uh, conclude our series, our seventh principle, and that is that friendship is the heart of marriage. Friendship is the heart of marriage. Now, in a moment, we're going to read our text, but I want to explain it before we do and how it applies. This is a story about Isaac and Rebekah. They are dwelling in a foreign land. Isaac, because of the culture of the people there, he is concerned that um, they are going to take his wife. And that's a justifiable concern because they do. He's afraid they're going to kill him for his wife. We don't know if that's justifiable or not. So they make up a story, she's my sister, so at the very least... He doesn't get killed and there's hope for the future. You know, of course, their whole plan isn't spelled out. It's a pretty shallow plan. I don't think they really thought this one through. But what's interesting about this story is that they get busted. Isaac they, and, and Rebecca, they move in. He says, She's my sister, right? It's cool, right? So then the king takes her uh, to be his wife. But then later on, they get busted. The Isaac looks uh, the Isaac, the king looks out and sees Isaac and Rebekah, and by the way they're behaving, he comes to the very intelligent conclusion, that's not his sister, that's his wife. And so I have a very simple question. In your marriage, if people didn't know who you were, and they just saw you and your spouse walking together somewhere, would they come to the conclusion that was your spouse? Right? And for some of you, maybe yes, because you're screaming at each other. And that's wrong. We, we talked about that in, I think, the second or the third lesson, right? But is there anything in your relationship where people would look at you and go, oh, these people have got to be married or something. They are close. That's, that's the kind of the question. That's where we're coming from uh, in this uh, lesson. And in case you're wondering, yes, I am going to meddle this morning. Let's go ahead and read our text, Genesis 26, verses 6 to 9. So Isaac dwelt in Gerah, 
And the man of the place asked about his wife, and he said, She is my sister. For he was afraid to say, She is my wife, because he thought, Lest the man of the place killed me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing in endearment to, to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quiet, obviously she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. Okay, so here is our seventh and final principle. Friendship is the heart of marriage. Let's talk first about when friendship is missing. Friendship is missing. Unfortunately, there are lots of marriages in which friendship is not part of the equation. They are together. They, they are married There is a legal union of some sort, but friendship isn't part of the marriage, right? It might be that you got married for reasons other than friendship, right? When you were uh, in the early stages of your uh, relationship, you know, people get married for all kinds of reasons. They'll get married uh, because they're lonely. They'll get married for sex. They'll get married because they're in a bad situation at home. They're trying to escape Something They'll get married because of family pressure, uh, all, all kinds of things, maybe a sense of obligation, but we can end up with a marriage that is not built on uh, or does not exist because of friendship. Genesis 41, verse 45. Pharaoh called Joseph's name zephanath and he gave him as a wife, Azanath, the daughter of Potiphar, um, priest of On. Great job. Hannah, where are you? Great job. Man, you kill, you nailed those names. Uh, I, I, have, I struggle with Bible names. I usually say that guy, you know, this person. Think about this. Joseph, he's in prison. And in the course of one day, this is what happens, right? They come and say the king wants, the Pharaoh wants to talk to you. So he shaves, changes his clothes. That's a different lesson, but... When he went to see the king, he shaved. So all of our bearded preachers out there, right? I'm talking to you guys online. So you need to shave before you come to the king's house. Uh, Sorry, back to my lesson. I'm getting distracted here, right? Our YouTube views are going to plummet all of a sudden. (laughs) He goes, talks to the king, interprets the dream. The king asks for some advice. How do we do this? He says, this is what I recommend, save, et cetera, et cetera. The king says, you know what? You're the guy. I'm putting you in charge. Uh, and he gives him all these things, and he says, and by the way, because I'm honoring you, here, you're going to marry this girl. This, this was all in one day. I mean, talk about, you know, a big day, right? But let, let's just simplify it. That was not a marriage built on friendship. They had never even met each other. He, that morning when he woke up, he was thinking, what am I doing in prison today? By the end of the day, he's second in command and has a new wife. Right? There's some single guys here going, yes, all right. But, but very simple, there are marriages that don't have friendship in them. Then, of course, we can damage our friendship over the course of time. Hurts and violations. 
can uh, chip away at the friendship you used to have. It's possible that you used to be friends at one point, but maybe your inability to resolve conflict or work through issues has damaged that. 2 Samuel 6, verse 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael looked through a window and saw King David living and whirling before the Lord, and she despite him in her heart. But at the beginning of their relationship, she was in love with him. You see, something has changed. Now the friendship uh, has been damaged for some reason. We talked about that in a previous lesson. You know, what's most common in marriages is that the friendship just fades away. Somehow it's just lost along the way. I see people, I love watching people, and you observe them, and you think, man, what happened? I mean, you, you guys are still there. You're still together. You're not, you don't know where it went, but somehow the friendship has been lost, or maybe it's just not like it used to be. You can lose the friendship to parenting. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes we lose the friendship to just surviving. Life is hard sometimes, and just trying to survive can take a toll. Right, it might be the simple erosion of time, and now it's gone. And the, the problem is, for a lot of people, you have gotten so good at getting along that you can't even tell you're not friends anymore. I mean, you're not fighting, you're not screaming at each other, there's no major drama, you're just kind of existing, and you don't even realize the friendship is gone because you guys get along. You know what? I can get along with anybody. It doesn't mean we're friends, right? I can get along with, it doesn't matter what you believe, where you come from, what your, uh, uh, what your orientation is, what your religion, I can get along with anybody, but that doesn't mean we're friends. It should not be like that in your marriage. So the problem is when friendship is missing, the marriage will suffer. There's some people, and as I'm talking, you can't even relate to this because you have never viewed your marriage as a friendship. You have friends and you have your spouse and they are not the same category in your mind. So this is strange. As I'm talking about your marriage and your friendship, that's almost a foreign concept to you. You are partners with your spouse, right? In this business of the family, you are, uh, 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 might even be lovers, but you're definitely not friends. When friendship is lost, this will hurt you. Number one, your priorities will shift. When friendship is missing, your spouse will not be very high on your priority list, right? Your time priorities. You, are, uh, you find it easy to spend time away from your spouse, right? You, you don't make it a point to spend time with them. They are always second. Right? I've had people that will ask me over the years occasionally, Pastor, you know, how is it, you know, you're in ministry, you know, how, do you, how do you find the time for your wife? I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't live in a world where I have to try to find time for my wife because she's number one on my time priority list. It's not like I get to the end of the week and go, oh my gosh, wait, where is she? I haven't, I haven't seen her in days. It's not, I don't live in that world because she's my friend. 
So this can shift. There's people like, well, you know, Monday, I've got band practice. Tuesday, you know, it's girls' night out. You know, Wednesday's church. Thursday, the kids have got such and such. Friday, it's 180. When do I see my husband? Well, first of all, cancel girls' night out. Right? That should always happen after. Oh, man, Pastor Heim. Yes, I told you a few minutes ago I was going to meddle. Right? You should have put your feet back if you don't want me to step on toes. Right? We, I don't have... There, is, there has never been a framework in any point. We've been married now this year. It'll be 24 years in just a couple of months. At any point in my marriage, there's never been a point in which I had, well, I've got to go spend time with my friends. It may happen on occasion or by accident or, you know, maybe there's a, a baby shower or something that the guys aren't invited to. But I don't, I don't intentionally spend time away from my wife. There's times that I have to be away from her. I would never do it on purpose. It's very, very quiet in here this morning. Right? Your other family get, begins to get in the way. Your work can dominate. But the point is your, your time priorities shift. Then your attention priorities. You stop focusing on your spouse the way you focus on your work or your ministry or your study or your hobbies or whatever it is. Your emotional priorities. You can allow other people or circumstances to take the best or the first of your emotions. If you feel called to be in ministry, you need to pay close attention to this. Ministry can be emotionally draining. You are dealing with issues and circumstances that can emote. If you don't save some of your emotional attention for your spouse, you're going to be in trouble. Right? If you, if you get home from church and you're just flat, you are depleted, that's going to cause you trouble. So your priorities will fade. Your desires will change. Without friendship in the marriage, you'll no longer desire to be with them the way you used to. You no longer desire them the way you used to. When friendship is missing, Both of you will begin to diverge in desire. You start slowly running on separate tracks. You might still be close together, but there's a subtle shift and you are moving away from each other. And there will come a time when you don't recognize each other. When friendship fades and your desires change, there will come a point in life when you don't even... I have a really good friend. He's been married a long time. I think... Uh, probably um, close to or more than 50 years, if I, if I had to guess. And his wife hasn't gone to church in decades. I, I honestly can't remember the last time I saw her. And, and really, that was it. Is that this was a man that he was committed to church. He loves God. He loves the ministry. Faithful, humble man. But at one point, his wife, just her, her desires just shifted a little. It's just not bad. It wasn't like she said, you know what, I'm going to be a Satanist and snort crack cocaine. It wasn't that. Just shifted a little bit. And in time, now she is so far different, it's like she's a different person. So that'll destroy a marriage. And then, of course, your intimacy will fade. The natural end result of a fading friendship is a fading intimacy. Of course, that could be physical intimacy. 
For many marriages, the physical intimacy will outlast the friendship. Friendship can die and you'll be physically intimate for a time, but it changes. It becomes cold and very distant. But the real tragedy is that the relational intimacy will fade. The word intimacy means close familiarity. One definition says intimacy is the intellectual, emotional, and spiritual subtext of a truly God-joined marriage that we must continuously cultivate and protect over time. And so the problem is if you don't maintain the friendship, you'll lose everything else. I've talked about, right, last week I talked about finances. I talked about sex. I talked about resolving conflict. I talked about all kinds of things. But listen, here is the hinge pin other than salvation. If you don't maintain the friendship, you're going to lose everything in your marriage. You're going to lose the intimacy. And that is probably the greatest tragedy, in my opinion. In the text that we read in the very beginning, Isaac and Rebekah, it says that the king, King Abimelech, looked out and saw Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah. The, uh, the old King James Version is the word sporting, uh, but, uh, which I think is an entertaining word, right? And, he, and it actually says, and he saw Isaac sporting with his wife, right? What were they, shooting some hoops? What was happening there, right? But... This word has two very clear, very profound meanings in a marriage. The one is the obvious, it's physical affection. The word could mean that he saw them showing sexual affection. We know that's probably not true because it was in public, it was open. The only other definition of that word is the word that literally means laughing or joking. They were friends and they were laughing and joking together. I want you to think about this for a moment. This ancient king, he discovers that this man and woman are wife. Why? Because they were laughing and joking together. When's the last time you and your wife were laughing and joking together? I'm not asking for a time of confession, but if you feel convicted, it's all right. There's going to be an altar call this morning. And I mean that seriously. If you don't enjoy your spouse like that, you need to fix it. Because that is what friendship is. There's something where there's a joy and a vibrancy in that. This applies in a healthy marriage. But ultimately, this is about intimacy. An intimacy of friendship. And when those things fade... Like I said in the beginning, would anyone bust you? Right? Would anyone see you laughing with your spouse and think, they must be married? Look at them. They are in love, I can tell. So this is when friendship is missing. And as I said in previous lessons, when friendship is missing, uh, your marriage suffers. And when your marriage suffers, it hurts all of life. All right, let's stop there for a moment. I want to see if I've triggered any questions or comments before we move on. The lesson is friendship is the heart of marriage. Any questions, you can raise your hand and 
be identified. Anyone at all? Question, comment. All right, we'll move on. Let's talk about the blessings of friendship. The blessings of friendship. Three very simple statements I want to make about friendship. Number one, friendship is where strength comes from. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 to 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord cannot quickly broken. Okay, friendship is where the strength comes from. Think about any kind of relationship, right? We have school relationships. We have business relationships. You have family relationships. You might have relationship with a sports team that you play on. You have relationships in the church or in ministry. Where does the strength come from in any of those relationships? Right? Is, your, is the strength of your relationship with your family the fact that you're family? I would suggest no. Because probably all of us have estranged family members, right? I don't mean strange, right? We all have strange family members. Estranged, right? There's family members you don't talk to. You're still family, but it's like there's something, right? So the strength of the relationship is not the family, certainly. It's not that you are related. Think about a business associate. The strength of your relationship certainly is not the fact that you work for the same company because there's other people that work for that company that you don't have a relationship with, right? Are you following me so far? You see where I'm going. You have relationships in the church, but the church is not what makes that relationship strong because there are other people in the church you don't have a relationship with. None of those things that we categorize relationships by bring strength to it, right? There are school friends we've no longer talked to. You know, it's interesting to me. There's some people, you know, that, and maybe it's just the life that I've lived, but there's people like, oh, yeah, him. I went to school with him. Hey, bro, how's it going? Oh, man, how's the family? Right? When I left school, like, I have legitimately never even seen the people I went to school with ever again. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just that maybe I, I've got a weird life and I don't. It's like we were in prison together and I got out. I don't want to see them anymore. What is it? Do you, I, don't, I don't get that. Right? But the, the, the point is we have all kinds of relationships that just fade away. There's people that we used to serve God with. Those aren't the enduring things. But every single one of us, I would, I would bet, there is someone in your life, maybe several people, there's a friend that they don't really have a category. They're not a workmate. They're not in ministry with you. They're not family. You don't even know how they fit into the category. And yet you have been fast friends for as long as you can remember. In fact, you could be away from them for years and you see them and it's just like no time has passed. What is it about that relationship? That's what friendship is. 
Because friendship is a relationship unlike all others. The strength is in the friendship. I have some good friends in Prescott, and I may not see them legitimately for years at a time or even talk. It's not like we're texting every day, good night, bro. You know, we just don't, I won't even have any community. Next time I see them, oh, wow, you, you've got grandkids. Hey, cool. But it's like immediately, it's like it was the last time we saw. We can sit for hours and talk, you know, endlessly. So the strength is in the friendship. And beyond that, friendship gives strength to us. You know, a good friend can help you through trouble and discouragement, right? Think about that, right? This, the text that we read, it talks about a threefold cord and the two that lie down together, they are warm. There is strengthening that comes from friendship. So how much powerful, how much more powerful would that be if that friend was your spouse? When the Bible talks about this unbreakable thing that comes from friendship, how much more unbreakable if you cultivated that relationship in your spouse? And I believe that's the way it's supposed to be. Anytime I've had someone uh, close to me die or I've experienced tragedy, the only person I want to talk to is Rachel. I don't have like another group of people I go to to get comfort from. I don't have like, you know, some bros. They like, you can cry on my shoulder, man. She is my closest friend with not even any close contenders. And I believe that's the way it's supposed to be. So friendship is where the strength comes from. Friendship is where the joy comes from. I want to make a distinction here between enjoyment and and joy because they are different. Now, I, I know that I am not like everybody. I don't like to do things. Like, I don't go uh, sightseeing. I, I'm not that, you know, I don't, when I travel to places, I'm not like, okay, looking in the guidebook, what should we go see, right? We were just in Cape Town uh, a week or two ago, and Pastor Ortiz like, we, all right, we're going to Table Mountain. That was on him. That wasn't me. You know, you know why? Because I could go up and see it, but Google has some great pictures of it. And you know what's cool about looking at pictures of Table Mountain on the internet? Is there's no people. Right? You're not in the cable car. Oh, gosh. You know. Right? That's, that's my personality. I don't choose. But think about this. You could go do something, right? Go to Gold Reef City, ride some rides. That's that's enjoyment, right? That's not joy. And our world doesn't understand that. Joy is not what you get in the moment of something, right? You know, an experience, a ride, uh, or, or something like that. There is a huge difference between enjoyment and joy. Many things can bring enjoyment to a marriage, Right? Many things. Money could bring enjoyment to a marriage. Right? Let's go do something exciting. Wow, that was exciting. I enjoyed that. Sex can bring enjoyment to a marriage. Success can bring enjoyment to a marriage. 
right? We could go on. There's, there's probably a, a million things that could bring enjoyment to a marriage. But I would suggest that there are only two things that can bring joy to a marriage. One is being in a legitimately right relationship with Jesus Christ. And two is friendship with your spouse. All of the things I've mentioned, I've experienced those and I enjoy them a lot. There's a lot of enjoyment in them, but the joy in my marriage in its most elemental form, my, my steady state of joy or satisfaction or happiness that exists in my marriage comes from the friendship. Rachel and I are the best of friends. In any possible measure of the word, any possible definition of that, the friendship is where the joy comes from. Proverbs 5:18 Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. That word rejoice in the Hebrew is to have an attitude or literally a steady state of happiness and joy. That's what rejoice means. He's saying you need to have joy with your spouse, not just be excited about the things you can do together. My joy in my marriage is connected to the fact that Rachel is my friend and she has been for more than 25 years. We started dating in November of 1998 and she will be my friend until I die. That is the joy in my marriage. We laugh together, we cry together. What I really do enjoy is that I can usually get her laughing to the point where she says, stop, stop, stop. She's crying. She's shouting at me to stop. Why? Because I'm going to have an accident. <laughs> I enjoy that very much. I enjoy that. You know, there's some people, if, you're, if your husband's trying to make you happy, you think you're funny. Listen, girls, if you're still single, don't be like that when you get married. If you're already married, fix that. Guys, if you're still single, if she doesn't want to laugh with you, you are in for a long, miserable, difficult time. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just predicting. I'm not prophesying. I'm just predicting. We laugh together. We cry together. We've endured hard things together. We enjoy every success together. That is where the joy comes from. And the third blessing of friendship is, listen, friendship is the part that lasts. In the very end of your life, before death claims you or your spouse, the only things that will be left is Jesus and your friendship. The house you live in isn't going to matter anymore, right? What you did in life isn't going to matter. The things that you enjoyed, they won't matter anymore. Your friendship will. If you will be friends until the end. You know, the kids are going to move away. The sparks of passion, they might fade. The adventures, one day they'll run out. But the friendship can last 
until the end. That is why friendship must be protected at all costs. So let's talk then about pursuing friendship in marriage. I want to give you some advice for pursuing friendship. Number one, deal with the little things. The Song of Solomon 2, 15. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Listen, the reality, it's often the small things that spoil the friendship, not the major betrayals. It's the small insults, the small frustrations, the little irritations, the feelings of being second place uh, in your... Those are the things that erode a friendship. The feeling of being overlooked or forgotten, they can add up into a subtext of bitterness and dissatisfaction over time. Then, of course, there are things that you allow to be bigger than they ought to be. You let things get inside of you that you shouldn't let inside of you. So listen, you have to fight against these things. All of the little things that have the power to ruin the friendship in your marriage, you have to fight against them. Let let me just help you out. If there is something that you do or that you say or that you are that bothers your spouse, you have two options, right? One, you could insist that they get over it. Like it's not a big deal, right? Whatever. Maybe it's some very small, irritating little habit that you have and it bothers your spouse. You could say, listen, babe, it's such a small thing. Get over it, please. Could you just please get over it, right? That's, that is, of course, one of the options, right? But you also could change. You're just checking, making sure it's still working, right? You could change, right? And maybe it's a small thing, and maybe your spouse should get over it. Maybe they're being petty and immature and you feel righteous in demanding that they should get over it. Sure, fine. Or you could just change. What I just said in the last 60 seconds, if the whole world would believe it, I'd I'd be willing to wager, and I'm just guessing here, that the entire planet would be at least 30% happier in an instant. If you would just decide, if what I'm doing bothers you, I could change. You know, think about this. Why would you insist on allowing that little thing that you do, that little habit or the thing you say or the way you do that or the fact that whatever, 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 why would you insist on letting that damage the best thing you've got? The best thing you've got. Your friendship with your spouse is going to be the best and longest lasting thing you will ever have except for your salvation. Why would you insist on, well, it's my right. I can do this. You you can't tell me no. Yeah, you're, you're right. But why would you insist letting that bother your spouse to affect the beautiful relationship that you have or that you could have? Of course, on the other hand, if you are the one who is bothered by that seemingly small, irritating little thing, yes, you could insist that they change. Didn't you hear what Pastor Heinberg said? 
He said, if something bothers your spouse, you ought to change. Yes, and you're right. But you could also just get over it. You know what I love is how idiotically simple this is and how bothered some people are by it. You just said that he has to change. I didn't say that. You imagine that I said that because I didn't say he or she. Listen, for both spouses, if we do something that's bothering them, we should change. And also, if we are bothered by these little things, we should get over it. And if we'll both do that, we'll be happy. There's people here, I'm convinced of it. I've been around long enough to know that there are people here that you do not believe me when I tell you about my friendship with my wife. You think, well, that's, you're a pastor. You have to, of course, you have to put on that show. And afterwards, if we ask Rachel, you know, you already told her. And so she's like, oh, yes, uh-huh. And, and you really believe that, and that's fine. You can believe that until you're grave. But you're wrong. We really are great friends. But see, the problem is you don't even believe it's possible because of your marriage. You don't think that that is within the realm of what's feasible. So I challenge you. I said I was going to give you some tips, and the first one is deal with the little things. Listen, you should fight against every possible thing in your own heart that could damage the friendship in your marriage. These things are deadly. Listen, don't change your standards. Don't change your respect, right? Uh, But listen, fight for these things. I've, I've counseled people that they've said, well, you know, when we were first married, I would never say this, but now that we've been married some time, I think I should, whoa, 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 whoa. If when you were first married, you would never say that, why would you say it now? When you were first married, you respected her or him enough to never talk like that, you should still respect them the same way. Right? You shouldn't let yourself change over time in a way that damages your marriage. So that brings us to then... My second piece of advice to preserve the friendship, that is you should make a commitment to communicate. You might have noticed in this entire series, there wasn't a single lesson on communication. And yet I talked about it in every single lesson. Because I believe it is wrong to single communication out as something separate. Right, okay, we've got to deal with finances, we should deal with our intimacy, we should deal with friendship, and then over here is communication. No, communication is part of all of it, and it is crucially important. Communication is the key tool at every point. There are people here, you've asked me questions uh, over time, uh, and some of you, you've asked me several, and I've said, well, what do you need to do? And you've said to me, Yes, I need to talk to them about it. Yes, right? The beginning of solving every problem is talk about it, right? You have to speak about things in life. You need to make a commitment that you will communicate to your spouse. This is the master skill. If you could be granted a wish to be good at only one thing that would secure your marriage, right? If you could, if God came down and said, I'll give you any skill, right? Oh, make me the best lover. Make me the most financially successful, right? Let me tell you the one that will preserve your marriage. It's communication. 
You could have all the money in the world. You could have every possible skill. If you don't know how to communicate, you cannot successfully maintain a marriage. So if you're going to maintain your friendship, it's going to require communication. Right, of course, uh, you communicate to resolve conflict, right, in order that it doesn't blow up and become something bigger. Uh, Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. If there is conflict, talk about it, right? So you communicate to resolve conflict. This is so crucial in the home. Don't let it sit and fester. I have legitimately had, as long as I've been a pastor, I'll have couples that will come to me, one of them, the husband or the wife, pastor, can we counsel? We've got this issue. Sure, let's meet. We'll talk tonight. We meet in the evening service, right? And say, okay, so what's going on? And the one person, well, this is, and the other spouse is looking, I'm like, what? And I'm like, wait, you didn't talk to them? You came to me and you've never even talked about it? First of all, negative 10 points for being a dummy you, listen, my brain hurts sometimes. That's step one. Just talk about it. And then if you can't resolve it, come to me. We'll counsel. We'll, we'll find a way through this. You communicate to resolve conflict. You communicate to stay on the same page. Some couples, you are so wildly out of sync uh, that it's shocking. It's almost embarrassing. You're caught up in your work or your friends or your ministry and your spouse has no idea what's going on. I, I will ask people on occasion, hey, you know, hey, you know, how's your wife doing? How's your, how's everything going? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they are tonight. What? How do you not know where your spouse is? Now, listen, Rachel and I have never checked up on each other. I'm like, where are you? We just talk, Right? If I'm traveling, you know, I'll be like, hey, I'm, we're heading out to lunch now. Right, I love you. I'll text you after lunch. We, we are always communicating. We are ju- we're always on the same page. I've had uh, men, they're talking about ministry. How would I go into the ministry? Hey, awesome, right? What did your wife think? I don't know. How do you not know? Why haven't you talked to her about this? So you communicate to stay on the same page, right? And then you need to communicate just because you're friends. Just the regular discourse of friendship. How often do you simply just talk about anything or about nothing? About whatever. Talk about the news. No, don't talk about the news. That's depressing. Right? But just talk because you're friends. You should simply communicate. My third piece of advice now that I want to give this morning to maintain your friendship, remember why you fell in love. Always remember that. Don't ever forget why you fell in love. It's not bad to reminisce about the good times in your marriage. Right? We, for Valentine's Day, we kind of stretched it out over three days. Monday night, we left the kids at home. Right? I mean, they've survived this long. <laughs> Left him at home, you know, hey, don't burn the house down. If you do, always know that we loved you until the very end. No, we didn't say that to them, right? But they knew it. And we went out to eat, right? We drove to a restaurant. And while we're driving, 
Uh, Rachel put on uh, iTunes or Pandora or whatever it was, Valentine's Day 2023 playlist, right? And every one of these songs was an absolute banger because they're old songs, right? Right? Uh, first, man, the very first song in the playlist was Boys to Men. Back in the days, I didn't even know Rachel yet, right? I swear. And I was like, oh, babe, you're driving, right? That wasn't actually the song. I don't want to sing the other one because I'd offend somebody in here, right? We're just, do you remember? And then she's like, do you remember this song? That was when, right? It was around the time our first son. Just, it's okay. It's not weird to reminisce. Some of you, you're like, maybe that's why you feel that way. Because you refuse to think about the good times. Jacob and Rachel, uh, their marriage, and I know I didn't talk about them in this lesson, but he remembered her until his death. He died between 35 and 40 years after Rachel died. And when he died, he had this whole, uh, you know, he's talking about this, and he talked about, and my beloved Rachel who died when I was just a little way from Bethlehem. That means home. He says, basically, she almost made it home with me, but she didn't make it. And that's, that's what he remembered. Listen, remember the good times. My father, I probably shared this story with you before, but it bears repeating in this context. My father and mother, when they were married, it was a very... A tumultuous relationship. My mother was the pastor's daughter. My dad was not saved. He was, um, uh, at that time, he was uh, dropping acid and was uh, severely addicted to crystal meth, but he was a very good actor. And so he came in and pretended to be Christian just long enough that pastor would let him marry his daughter. Never, never got saved, never answered an altar call, right? So the day after their wedding, she wakes up in a hotel and she's like, you know, where's Paul? Finds him outside smoking a cigarette. She's grown up. The pastor, she's like, and he's like, get used to it. This is the real me, baby. Didn't even go back to church. Like, that was it. He went to church until the wedding. That was it. Then for 10 more years, as an absolutely bottom-of-the-barrel drug addict, lost everything. The house they built, they lost it because of his financial troubles violence and chaos, my memories of my childhood are very few and far between, and all of them are bad. It is absolute chaos, right? I mean, we would move in the middle of the night and and, and all of the the violence and all the weird things. But when my dad uh, was about to die, my mother had already died. My dad died of dementia. He had severe early onset Alzheimer's, couldn't remember anything. My last real moment with my father, if, you, if you've known people with Alzheimer's, you know what happens is they kind of come and go. It's like they're, you know, they're catatonic, and then all of a sudden they're with you. And like, hey, and they, and they know who you are, and then they just check out. I was sitting with my dad on the, the front of his house, and all of a sudden he was there. You can feel it. It's like an electricity. And he grabs my hand. He says, Jonathan, I remember. What, what do you remember? And he says, I remember sitting here with your mom watching the sunset. And then he was gone. And it's like the moment passed. I want you to think about that for a moment. Their lives were absolute hell. Later on, when my mother got sick, 
It was hell again for three years. My father had to care for her as she literally died in his arms from a disease that's incurable. He spent all of his fortune caring for her. And when he remembered, he didn't remember any of that. He remembered, I used to watch the sunset with my sweetie. I want to tell you, that is what happens when you cultivate a friendship in your marriage. And that's why it matters so much that you lock in on these principles for building a healthy marriage. We've got maybe one or two minutes for questions or comments, and I'll stop there. If you have a question or a comment this morning about this lesson, raise your hand so I can see it. Questions, comments. Hey, Daryl. So, so when you uh, talk about uh, sorting out the little things. Yes. Uh, and you're talking about communication. So I've taken it in the past. I'm just, it's something small. I'm not going to mention it. I'm just going to let it go. Mm. Is that... Is that wrong? Should we rather communicate about it? Like if, I, if, if right. something irritates me and then it's, I, I, it's one of those things I'm going to just let it go. But it happens all the time, but, uh, right. but I don't communicate about it. But uh, I'm, just, I'm just asking advice. Yeah. Is, it, is it better I would say, so on, like sweeping it under the rug? Or? There isn't one simple answer to that. So we did the lesson, I think it may have been the third one, was about resolving conflict. We talked about some things have to be worked out, some things we have to let go. So the things that we have to let go are things, obviously, that can't be fixed, right? If it's something that's just in someone's personality. Um, Things that really don't matter and we can get over them, right? If if you can get over something, that's great. You know what? I'm I'm not even going to deal with this, right? Uh, but if it's something that's like a character, a moral, a moral or a spiritual issue, they have to be resolved, right? Or if you just can't get over them. There are some things that they are very small and we can't, right? For whatever reason, a flaw in our personality, right? But we just can't get over it. We talk about it. So I think that's really how we have to divide it. Things that must be solved, things that, that don't have to be solved and we can get over them, we can ignore them. Does that help? Yeah, good. Good question. All right, guys, we're going to break. Service begins in about five minutes. Next week, uh, Pastor Shannon will be starting a brand new Bible study series. Thanks.